Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved family. How are you doing? I pray you had a good weekend. We are here. We are live. And uh, happy, happy to be with you. And um, I know many of you saw the interview we did on Friday with um, Bishop Athanasius Snyder. And I was in heaven with every word he spoke. Every word he spoke. What a good, holy prince of the church he is. Would that every bishop be as faithful and um, speak out with such, indeed, clarity and charity as Station of the Cross always aims to do. Um, he holds back nothing of the true faith because he cares for souls. And when we were on the program, I mentioned briefly an article uh, in LifeSite News about six years ago on how we survive in this, his words, heretical wasteland, the survival of the family in this heretical wasteland. And he gave um, LifeSite News uh, 12 steps to survive as a Catholic family in a heretical wasteland. And I've memorized most of them, but I thought it would be a wonderful follow-up for us to go through today. We will take your calls, your texts, and emails today, so feel free to call in. Um, actually, any since we didn't take calls on Friday, feel free to call in any time during the program today, starting right now. Toll free, 1-877-511-5483, or email at mother at com, and you may text at that phone number as well. The article, let me just see if I can see the date. It was from May 2016, May 27th, 2016, um, in LifeSite News, but it's, it's an article to be read forever. And um, LifeSite News begins by saying, as the battle for the very soul of the family and all its members intensifies around the world with the push for sexually sexual anarchy veiled as education, that's a perfect statement for what's going on today. The undermining of what is truly masculine and feminine in the name of gender rights and the destruction of marriage masquerading as equality. A spiritual leader who has suffered under the terror of a communist regime has laid out a survival plan for Catholic parents who find themselves in a secular, relativistic, and hostile environment, but who simply want to raise their children to become future citizens of heaven. <clears throat> Bishop Athanasius Snyder of Pakistan told LifeSite News in an exclusive interview earlier uh, earlier this month, which have been still May 2016, that Catholic parents must take seriously their first duty of raising their children in the faith if their children are to become, are to overcome the negative and even hostile influences that are pressing in from all sides and seeking to destroy. This is six years ago. It's ever more true and ever more dangerous and ever more urgent today, beloved. 
in a wide-ranging interview that covered his experience as a Catholic boy growing up under communism, his thoughts on what it means to be a Catholic family today, his thoughts on education, bad parishes and dioceses run by agenda-driven priests and bishops, as well as his views on how faithful laity should address concerns about Pope Francis. The bishop laid out 12 steps that he said Catholic parents must take to safeguard their families and their children. These are not suggestions, beloved. These are steps that Catholic parents must take to safeguard their families and their children. Bishop Snyder said that to survive in a heretical wasteland, Catholic parents must, number one, see persecution as a grace from God for becoming purified and strengthened, not simply as something negative. And I'll comment just a tiny bit with each one of these points. You know, I, I believe God is allowing the persecution to come upon us today, and that purifies us. It clarifies us what if we're, if we're on the Lord's side or not. Are we on the Lord's side? Are we Catholic? Are we going to live our faith at any cost? Are we going to raise our children in the faith, no matter the cost? And persecution um, is a dividing line. Do we give in or do we trust God and give our lives for him no matter what? Point two, become rooted yourself in the Catholic faith through study of the catechism. Many, many people, are, many are Christians. Many are non-Catholic Christians. And they don't know the Catholic faith. Um, they're fighting against or staying away from what they think the Catholic faith is, but they don't know. Bishop um, Fulton Sheen has said that there are not a hundred people who hate the Catholic Church, but millions who hate what they mistakenly think the Catholic Church teaches. Become rooted yourself in the Catholic faith through study of the Catechism and your children as well. And I recommend the Catechism of Trent explained. Catechism of Trent was purely doctrinal. Nothing has changed from the Catechism of Trent. Um, and again, if you get the Catechism uh, explained, you'll have the Catechism of Trent with, by Reverend Sparago, tremendous teaching. An explanation. You won't need anybody to teach you the faith. You'll have it all there in one very thick book, volume, that we use ourselves at the Daughters of Mary, Mother of Israel's Hope. Can you read the current catechism as well? Absolutely, yes. It's fine. Uh, bear in mind that Vatican II uh, was not a doctrinal council, but a pastoral council to say how we live out the truths of the faith. Um, but to know fully the truths of the faith, I would uh, recommend the Catechism Explained. Number three, protect your family's integrity above all else. Above all else, beloved. Four, catechize your children as your first duty. I've said many times, you homeschool your children. For nine months in your womb, dear mom, why would you turn them over to the world? You, you bathe them, you diaper them, you teach them how to walk, you teach them how to talk, 
you teach them about God when they, you know, when they're two and three years old, they start to make the sign of the cross. They can learn to genuflect. Why would you turn them over to the world when they're four or five to preschools or kindergartens or even Catholic schools? Why turn them over to the world? It is your vocation to raise your children and you will be judged by God uh, on what you did and what you failed to do. The schools and the churches will also be judged by what they did and failed to do, but they are not responsible for your children's growth in the faith. You are. You are responsible for raising your children in the faith. If you send them to a public school, you are planning to destroy your children. And if you send them to a Catholic school that allows gender ideology and teaches same-sex marriage and, and all that kind of stuff, you are destroying your children. Not the school, but you by sending them there. Even if you have to send your children to a Catholic school, and even if you must send them to a public school, there are circumstances where you may not have a choice, you still are responsible for teaching them the faith at home, for going over what they learn in school every day and feeding it through the grid of the Catholic faith so they know what is true and what is not. Number five, pray with your children daily, such as litanies and the rosary. Pray daily with them. Bless them when they go to sleep. Teach them the prayer before they go to bed. Bless them on their foreheads. Uh, Come together in the morning as a family. Pray in our Father and or a Hail Mary before they leave the house and bless them for the day. Pray at meals. Pray the rosary at night. Number six, turn your home into a domestic church. It's not what you tell your children. It's not what they hear when they go to church on Sunday. It is how you live that will form them. Children learn by what they see not necessarily by what you say. And if what you say contradicts how you live, you will personally turn them away from the faith. Seven, in the absence of a priest and Sunday Mass, make spiritual communion. Bishop Snyder grew up without priests and a Mass on Sundays, and they dressed up for church, and they stayed home at suit and ties, and they stayed home, and they read the Sunday readings, and they made spiritual communion. Eight, withdraw your family from a parish spreading error and attend a faithful parish even if you have to travel far. If you need to travel two hours, whatever it is, on a Sunday, if your entire Sunday is spent traveling to and fro, packing a lunch, and traveling to and fro, a faithful Catholic church, and that is your Sunday, that will be a treasure. And it's going to become more of a treasure as things get worse. Number nine, withdraw your children from school if they are encountering immoral danger in sex ed. And I'm going to tell you, if sex ed is taught in schools, they are encountering immoral danger. Schools have no business teaching sex ed to your children. It is the home that needs to do that. And parents, if you're shy or afraid or don't know how to do it, plenty of books out there to assist you, plenty to help you. There's the music for your first, our first break, dear ones. Um, and I'm going to take a look at, to see who's called in, and we'll take your calls, your texts, your emails right after the break. 
Um, and we have two more points uh, to this article. We'll be right back. Toll-free 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We'll be right back. beloved this is mother miriam host of mother miriam live like the catholic current and the many other programs that originate from the station of the cross divine mercy in my soul is all about the messages that jesus revealed to saint faustina it is aired every sunday morning at 11 eastern and tuesday nights at 8 p.m or you can listen anytime to divine mercy in my soul on the i catholic radio mobile app the Station of the Cross thanks our supporters who have enabled us to broadcast Catholic programs for more than 20 years. As a nonprofit lay organization financially independent from your diocese, our apostolate is listener supported. Through your generosity, we are able to inspire countless listeners with the gospel message and help lead them to a parish to be spiritually nourished by the sacraments. Thank you for your continued support and may God bless you and your family. The Station of the Cross is listener-funded and we value your ongoing generosity. In this fast-paced world, it's easy to let your recurring donation slip due to something like a new address or a card number change. If you suspect that we might not have your up-to-date donor information, you can check with us during regular business hours at 1-877-888-6279, extension 104, or anytime online at thestationofthecross.com. You can listen to any of our network-produced programs at your convenience, wherever you enjoy podcasts. Hear a powerful sermon you need to share with a loved one? Maybe there's a guest or teaching segment that deserves another listen. You can find all of our shows on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, our website, and the free iCatholic Radio app. Be uplifted in your faith. Listen today at thestationofthecross.com or on your favorite podcasting platform. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSight News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. Um, we are going to take your calls and your texts and your emails um, just in a couple of minutes. I want to finish the article that was written six years ago on LifeSite News from their interview with Bishop Athanasius Snyder on 12 Steps to the Survival of the Catholic Family in this Heretical Wasteland. Number 10, and we, we ended with number 9, Withdraw Your Children from School if They Are Encountering Immoral Danger in Sex Ed. Number 10, if you cannot withdraw your children, establish a coalition of parents to fight for that right. Um, I tell you, uh, I want to say, why can't you withdraw your children? It would mean you'd have to homeschool them. Not everyone can do that um, for different reasons. So Bishop suggests that you establish a coalition of parents to fight for that right. Parents are the prime educators of their children, and no school should override what the parent wants for their children. They're there to serve the parent. 
and not to control the family or the children. Number 11, fight for parental rights using available democratic tools. Fight for them. Don't give up. Number 12, finally, be prepared for persecution in protecting your children. Be prepared for persecution in protecting your children. And this 12, these 12 points began with number one, see persecution as a grace from God for becoming purified and strengthened, not simply as something negative. The bishop said, from my experience of the time of persecution, um, let me see, I, I missed a sentence. The bishop said that being a Catholic family in the truest sense of the word, is the key to survival. From my experience of the time of the persecution, Bishop says, the vital importance is the family, the integrity of the family, and that both parents are deeply rooted in the faith. This is then transmitted to the children. I would like to say that the children have to receive the faith with the milk of the mother, and then the first task of the parents is to transmit to the children the purity, the beauty, the integrity of the Catholic faith in a simple manner. Bishop Schneider said that parents need to rise up to the responsibility of creating an environment within the home where children can flourish spiritually. Bishop Schneider said, I think this is today the main task for families to establish a culture of domestic churches. If children are being poisoned outside the home, such as in school, through hedonistic and nihilistic sex education programs, parents have the obligation to withdraw their children. See, beloved, um, you cannot subject your children to such demonic uh, teaching. It's demonic. Bishop Snyder says, you cannot expose your children to an immoral danger. It is impossible, Catholic parents. Uh, it is impossible, period. Catholic parents, in defending their children from this immorality, have to be even ready to suffer. Yes, to suffer consequences. Bishop Snyder said, if a country's laws make it impossible for withdrawal, he added, Parents should band together and fight for the right using whatever democratic means are available. If children are being poisoned from the pulpit, the same logic applies, and parents must find a faithful parish, he said, calling unfaithful priests and bishops traitors of the faith. Beloved, I get emails and calls from people who say, Mother, you cannot criticize priests and bishops, but here's a bishop who is one of the most faithful um, uh, shepherds of the church, saying that we must call them traitors of the faith. Whoever is going to poison our family, our children, with error are traitors to the faith. Bishop Snyder says, when pastors or members of the hierarchy contradict the teaching of Christ, the teaching of the perpetual magisterium of the church, of the catechism, you have to withdraw your children from these churches and not go to them, even if you have to travel 100 kilometers, that was in, in Russia, uh, kilometers, to a faithful church, no matter what it takes, beloved, no matter what it takes. 
Bishop Snyder recounted how his parents were overjoyed to move to a location in the Soviet Union where there was a Catholic church within a hundred kilometers. Bishop said, I think that in the Western world, in the United States, you will find a good church maybe closer than a hundred kilometers where there may be a good priest. So avoid these churches where error is preached. Such places are destroying the faith of the people. These churches are destroying. We have to avoid them. Such people are traitors of the faith, even when they have the title of priest or bishop. Bishop Snyder went on to give advice regarding how faithful Catholics who love the Pope and who do not wish to harm the papacy might express themselves in raising concerns about Pope Francis. The church is not run, he said, like a dictatorship where no one can contradict the dictator, he said, adding that the Holy Father is our Father and Catholics must not be afraid to voice their cares and concerns to him over his governance of the church. He ended the interview with LifeSite News, offering LifeSite News and its supporters his blessing. He said, God bless you and continue your holy and very precious work for family and marriage and for the gospel and the church. Um, let me just see. Um, LifeSite News further interviewed Bishop Snyder. I'm going to see if we have calls, and if not, I'll continue with this interview, which is so so precious to us in our day. Um, I don't see your calls, dear ones. So at the moment, um, I will, hold on now, I will go back to um, the, the further article. And at the second break, if you haven't called in, we will completely take your calls and your emails. But the LifeSite article continues with an interview of LifeSite. Um, uh, and they said Catholic families um, uh, asked Bishop uh, Strickland, uh, Bishop Strickland, that's our bishop in Tyler, Texas. I often confuse those two wonderful bishops. Uh, but um, LifeSite News asked Bishop Snyder, Schneider, um, Catholic families today are experiencing a type of persecution. How did your family deal with persecution while living under a communist regime? Regime. This is important to us, dear ones, because um, our current president and administration are bringing us into communism and very possibly war. So um, the bishop lived through it and, and has, has the answers for us. Bishop Athanasius Schneider said, I would say that I had the privilege to live in a time of persecution of the faith and of the church. Did you hear that? He said he had the privilege to live in a time of persecution of the faith and of the church. And I have said many times, I feel the most privileged person on the face of the earth to be living, to use Queen Esther's words, in such a time as this. Because we have, beloved, what the whole world needs and the freedom to speak it and to live it still even if we're persecuted, even if we're arrested. Bishop Snyder says, I would say that I had the privilege to live in a time of persecution of the faith and of the church because such persecution gives you a foundation for all your life. It is a grace. And therefore, in some way, I would not characterize the time of persecution always negatively. 
God uses these circumstances of persecution in several degrees for our good to purify our faith, to strengthen our faith. So in this way, I would see the persecution coming from the modern society, as you mentioned, against the family, also as a chance to be purified, to be strengthened. From my experience, Bishop says, um, my experience of the time of the persecution, the vital importance is the family, the integrity of the family, keeping it together, and that both parents are deeply rooted in the faith. This is then transmitted to the children. I would like to say <clears throat> that the children have to receive the faith with the milk of the mother. Some of this is repeated in the summary I read earlier. And then the first task of the parents is to transmit to the children the purity, the beauty, the integrity of the Catholic faith in a simple matter. First, I think that it is important that the mother or father themselves give the children in the family, in the house, the first catechism, not in the school or in the parish, but in the family. This does not exclude that there is still, in an additional way, the catechism in the parish, of course, but first in the family. Secondly, that parents have to pray in their family with their children daily. This was my experience, the bishop says. We prayed daily together, in the morning and in the evening, but not so much, but at least we prayed together. LifeSite asked, how old were you, dear Bishop, when this happened? And Bishop Snyder said, <clears throat> I was about 12. It is very fresh in my memory. For example, when on Sundays, when there were no priests, we had sometimes some years when there were no priests because the priests were in the prisons. They came to us very secretly. I remember these secret visits of the priests. It was such a feast, but we had to be very quiet because it was all controlled by secret services. Therefore, our parents said to us, be quiet, don't laugh, don't cry, don't shout. It was a very reverent situation when the priest came. First, he made confession available to the people, all of them, even sometimes all throughout the night. And then there was the Holy Mass, so reverently said, it was really unforgettable. I remember these moments. We lived in a society where atheism, under the communist regime, was spread in the public life, in the schools, but thanks to the fact that we were rooted in the family, in prayer, and in the faith, this did not infect us. We even had a lesson in the school, for example, with the title, Scientific Atheism. Our parents, as we were children, said it to us. You hear these words in one ear, and it should go out the other ear. Don't be attentive to this. And so we obeyed our parents. Sometimes we had to be prudent, not to make a provocation, to be prudent. I think this is today the main task for families, the bishop says, to establish a culture of domestic churches. There's more, dear ones. And we will, um, uh, let me just see, um, we will continue this uh, tomorrow. Um, but when we come back from the break, we'll take your calls, your texts, and your emails for the next half hour. Again, the toll-free number to call in, 
1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We'll be right back. Franciscan Media Saint of the Day for October 17th. Today we celebrate Saint Ignatius of Antioch. Born in Syria just a few years after Jesus' death, Ignatius was a convert to Christianity who eventually became Bishop of Antioch. On a long journey from Antioch to Rome, Ignatius wrote the seven letters for which he has become well known. Five of them are directed to churches in Asia Minor. Ignatius urges his fellow Christians to remain faithful to God and to obey their superiors. He also warns them against heresies and emphasizes the solid truths of Christian faith. The sixth is directed to Polycarp, Bishop of Smyrna, who was later martyred. On a visit to Antioch, Emperor Trajan forced the Christians there to choose between death and denying their faith. Ignatius refused to deny Christ and was condemned to be put to death in Rome. In his final letter, Ignatius begs the Christians in Rome not to try to stop his martyrdom. The only thing I ask of you, he wrote, is to allow me to offer the libation of my blood to God. His request granted, Ignatius bravely met the lions in the Circus Maximus around the year 107. There's more about the saints along with inspiration and Catholic resources at our website, saintoftheday.org. From Franciscan Media, this has been Saint of the Day. Uh, started drinking beer on Saturday nights, uh, sleeping in on Sunday mornings, missing Mass, and then it just became a pattern and continued. Without God, I don't know where I'd be right now. I feel like I'm whole again. I know the importance of the Eucharist. I know the importance of the sacraments that I didn't know at a young age. I follow God's will because my desire is to get to heaven. Our, our lives are rich and full by being members of the church. If you've been away from the Catholic Church, visit catholicscomehome.org. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. We are live and uh, this is our half hour all to ourselves. I'm going to continue the article, the interview with Bishop Schneider on LifeSite News um, uh, tomorrow morning. But right now I want to take your calls and your texts and your emails. Um, and the toll-free number, one eight seven seven five one one five four eight three. 511 5483 or email at mother at com. And as I said earlier, you may text at the phone number as well. Um, we have a call from Josie in Missouri. Are you on the line, Josie? I am, Mother Miriam. Welcome, dear one. Thanks for Thank calling in. Thank you. So, <clears throat> first of all, before I get started, I just want to say may God, in the name of Jesus, in his precious name, that he richly bless you for the good that you do. Thank you, Josie. 
And so I was on LifeSite this morning, uh, LifeSite News. The article is October the 15th, and I thought you'd be really pleased to hear this. I'm just going to read the first paragraph to you. Go ahead, sure. (laughs) The Croatian European Parliament has called on the EU to drop all contracts with COVID vaccine makers who have sold nations fake vaccines. Good. This is huge, and I wanted you to know this. Oh, bless you, Yosie. I haven't seen that. No, and that is absolutely huge and fantastic. Blessed be God. So I just want to say I love you, and I'm going to say this. God purposely, I don't know, it was a miracle that I found you. He wanted me to know about you, and it's just... um but it's been a couple of years because I've called your radio show in the past. So yes, Josie. I really appreciate you. And he uses us to, to encourage one another to love and good work. So blessed yeah. be, bless you, Josie, and for your encouragement and for your good faith. It's just truly a gift from God. Thank you, Josie. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, honey. We, we, asked, we had a caller who asked um, to repeat... Um, um, the author of the Catechism Explained. It's Reverend Spirago, as I recall, S-P-I-R-A-G-O. Uh, the Catechism Explained is its title, Reverend Spirago. Um, and I believe it has a forward by Father Chad Ripiger. Absolutely outstanding book. Um, I believe Mediatrics Press might be publishing it right now. We have an email from Diane who says, Dear Mother, firstly, I am so happy for you and your order making it to Tyler, Texas safely. Thank you. I am too, Diane. May God bless you all as you transition there. Bishop Strickland is a diamond in the rough. Well, I would agree with you, but I'm not sure he's so rough. I think he's simply a diamond. I think he's been smoothed out by many, many, many trials, and and he is indeed a diamond, and we're very grateful for him. Um, Um... Uh, Let's see now. I think you have a question, Diane. says, I have a question that I've never really heard addressed before. When I hopefully, by God's grace, make it to heaven, will we know if our loved ones made it too? Will we know if they did not? Will we know if they, God forbid, are in hell or in purgatory? If they are in hell, will I be heartbroken in heaven for my family member or friend? Just the thought of it now is too painful um, to hear. I look forward uh, to you addressing this question. Um, I do know, uh, according to the prayers of the uh, rite of Christian burial, that we will see our loved ones in heaven. Um, I don't know that we'll know anything else. If they're not in heaven, whether they're in purgatory or hell, I don't know that. But um, the, um, the prayers of the rite of Christian burial refer to awaiting the day we are reunited. We are reunited with the deceased through Jesus Christ. Um, the final commendation prayers of the rite of Christian burial says, May we comfort one another with our faith until we all meet in Christ and are with you and whoever the deceased is forever through Christ our Lord. There are examples in, in Scripture where people knew each other um, after death. Um, we also implore the saints to pray for us. Um, and so tradition teaches us that those in heaven know who we are, and we will know them when we get to heaven. I don't know what else or who else we will know. Um, 
but there's no pain in heaven. Uh, I don't know that we'll know specifically if someone is in hell, but there are no more tears in heaven. There's no sorrow. There's no suffering. So um, I, I can't answer whether we'll know that they're in hell and and what our response, or in purgatory at that point, and what our response will be. Um, uh, let me just see. Uh, Diane also says, by the way, I just watched the Italian film The Seventh Chamber about Eva Stein. I held my breath practically the entire film. So beautiful. What incredible faith she had all the way to the end of her life, always seeking truth. Indeed, indeed, indeed. And her famous statement is, love will be our eternal life. And if anyone ever wants to do a novena to the Holy Spirit, there's a very beautiful novena by St. Edith Stein, Teresa Benedict of the Cross. And Diane ends by saying, uh, God's beautiful blessing prayed for you always, Diane. God bless you, and thank you so much, Diane. Um, we have Denise in Toronto. Hello, Denise. Oh, hello, Mother Miriam. How are you today? I'm good. I'm good and good to speak with you again. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I actually have a question and maybe um, something I want to tell you that I think will warm your heart. Yes. And so first a question. Um, the Jewish people, do they believe in purgatory? They do. Um, in fact, purgatory is in the Old Testament, Second Maccabees. And so that's where we get the doctrine of purgatory, not just there, but where the Jewish people prayed for the dead. My growing up, in my Jewish home in Brooklyn, we would light what we called yardside candles, memorial candles for the dead. Now, uh, and we prayed for them. Well, we don't need to pray for anybody in heaven. So the, the, the understanding was that we pray for those that have gone on um, because we don't know their state exactly. Um, we didn't use the word purgatory but yes, it, it comes from the Jewish understanding, absolutely. Did that answer you, Denise? Yes, you did. You did. You did. And I just wanted to tell you something quickly that I hope will warm your heart. Um, I go to the Latin Mass on Sundays where I live, mm -hmm. and the priest there, he's a young man, very reverent, and he's actually a Jewish convert. Wow. And he apparently, I don't know him personally, but friends of mine who do know him said that he came into the faith because of Mother Mary. Our Blessed Virgin Mary, right? Yes. Oh, she's a Jewish mother, and she'll say to every Jew, do I have a son for you? How beautiful. Is it proper? Can I ask you his name? Um, his name is, um, I believe it's Father Russell Ash. Mm -hmm. I hope one day you get to meet him. Because oh, I, I would think love that. To share. Well, he lives, I live in Toronto, like you said. You know, you've yes. mentioned. So, if you ever come here, I hope you can meet with him. And I lived in Toronto for six years, um, up north in the Jewish section, actually. Um, when you see Father again, um, please give him my regards and ask him if he knows the Apostolate, the Association of Hebrew Catholics. It's it's headed by my brother David Moss, and um, it's all over the world, and headed by David in St. Louis, the Association of Hebrew Catholics. On the web, it would be Hebrew Catholic, singular, HebrewCatholic.net. If he doesn't okay, know it, it will be, a, yeah, it'll be a treasure for him. How beautiful. 
Okay, okay Denise. I just thought I'd share that. Thank you. Take Thank care. you. God bless you. Um, let me see now. Um, we have an email um, by uh, from Jacinta who says, Hi, Mother Miriam. If I don't first get to you by phone, I'd like to know if I can baptize my grandson who is to be born in September. Well, now... We're at the very end of September. No, I'd rather we're mid-October. What's my problem? So I'm gathering. He's already born. Um, I'm flying out to them in October, which is now, but again, we're at the end of October. Uh, my daughter, the mother, was raised Catholic. Hold on now. Uh, but is now totally liberal and not Catholic. Is it correct that I can baptize my grandson in private and that it would be a valid baptism. She would not be opposed to me doing that, but definitely would not go to a Catholic church to profess anything. Her husband is deployed and is not Catholic. Well, dear, um, if she uh, would not be opposed to your baptizing her child, I don't know why she'd be opposed to your taking that child to a Catholic church to be baptized. Is it valid that you baptize your grandson in private Yes, it is. It's the only sacrament we can do as long as you uh, baptize that little one in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Trinitarian formula. Um, But the the problem is there. Um, He should be raised in the Catholic faith, which his parents will not do. And I don't know if they would be, if they'd be willing to have godparents. Maybe you'll be the godmother and you, they'll, if they allow you to baptism, baptize him, um, ask if they will allow you, ask your daughter, allow you to be as involved as possible in his life and teach him the faith. That would be fantastic. It is um, making someone a spiritual orphan to simply baptize them and, and leave them and not raise them in the faith. That's a bit of a tragedy, actually. Um, and you say, if I can baptize my grandson, what would be the valid protocol? I've heard different things over the years about baptizing. I've been completely floored by your relaying of our faith. I am devout, lifelong Catholic. I miss Mother Angelica. You have stepped up uh, to guide us like she did for so many years. Well, blessed be God for that, Jacinta. Um, You can look online. I can do that, too. Um, for the valid formula, I baptize you. Uh, simply take water, holy water if possible, and pour it over the child's head. I baptize you in the name of the Father, and again, with water in the name of the Son, with water in the name of the Holy Spirit. As far as I know, that's what it takes for it to be a valid baptism. During our next break, dear one, I'm going to look up uh, that issue on um, online to make sure I'm not teaching heresy. You can also look it up online, the valid formula for baptism and for a grandparent baptizing their grandchild. I do believe it would be valid. I do believe it is allowed, but you must raise that child as much as possible in the Catholic faith. We have an email from Barbara who says, Dear Mother, what do you think about businesses using sacramentals in their products and using that as a selling point? I'm aware that rosaries have things from the Holy Lands, etc. These are household, everyday items, saying that's saying 
stating that certain water is contained, etc. Blessings, Barbara. I don't know the canonical answer to that, Barbara. I think it's fine. I'm absolutely against using sacramentals in mass mailings. Often, um, we'll get rosaries or other things with sac- as sacramentals in them, um, Lord's water or whatever it may be, and they're looking for donation. I don't think we should send those out and treat them so cheaply as mass mailings. But if if a sacramental is offered that for a certain donation, people can write in to get a certain amount of holy water or a certain relic, a third-class relic, or whatever it may be, they can write in for that and request it. Um, I don't have a problem with that, but not to be used in with thousands or hundreds in mass mailings as if it's as cheap as the paper it's on. Uh, that I would not agree with. There's the music for our final break, beloved. And uh, again, you're welcome to call in with anything on your heart, toll free, one 511 5483 or email at mother at And I'm going to double check my response on, on a parent baptizing, baptizing their child during the break. We'll be right back. Join Father Mark Noonan in praying the Litany of Humility. O Jesus, meek and humble of heart, hear me. From the desire of being esteemed, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being loved, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being extolled, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being honored, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being praised, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being preferred to others, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being consulted, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being approved, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being humiliated, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being despised, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of suffering rebukes, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being calumniated, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being forgotten, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being ridiculed, Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being wronged, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being suspected, deliver me, Jesus. That others may be loved more than I, Jesus grant me the grace to desire it. That others may be esteemed more than I, Jesus grant me the grace to desire it. That in the opinion of the world, others may increase and I may decrease, Jesus grant me the grace to desire it. That others may be chosen and I set aside, Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. That others may be praised and I unnoticed. Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. That others may be preferred to me in everything. Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. That others may become holier than I, provided that I may become as holy as I should. Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. Amen.
Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. This is our last segment. We have 10 minutes, and I'm happy to be here to take your calls, your emails, your texts, um, uh, and uh, toll-free 1-877-511-5483, or email at mother at the station of the cross.com. During the break, as I said, I looked up the situation for um, baptism uh, when a grandparent wants to baptize the child um, I think my, my, my response was fine um, the church forbids a secret baptism if neither of the parents agree the code of canon law but this is not a secret case uh, you said one of the, the parents do agree um, the code of canon law says that for an infant to be baptized licitly that's lawfully the parents or at least one of them or the person who legitimately takes their place must consent and there must be a founded hope that the infant will be brought up in the catholic religion if such hope is altogether lacking the baptism is to be delayed according to the precepts of particular law after the parents have been advised about the reason. This is true not just for babies, but even older children. Let me continue. The standard, um, it is not required that the child's parents be faithful, practicing Catholics. It may happen that there is one faithful parent or perhaps neither parent is practicing, but there are other faithful relatives like grandparents who will be able to bring the child up in the Catholic faith, and the parents are okay with their child being baptized, which is the case here. Those are not perfect conditions, but there's still a reasonable hope that the child will be raised as a Catholic and the baptism may proceed. And so, um, let me just see... um, in the case of um, Jacinta, um, you said that, um, let me see, going back there now, uh, that your daughter, the mother, is not opposed to your baptizing uh, the child. And so explain to her with that, that you, you're not requiring her to do anything except to allow you to raise that child in the faith uh, as often as you see the child, cards, as they grow older, tell, uh, by phone, by visits, everything you can, celebrating the baptism every year, everything you can, teaching the child prayers, as long as your daughter is okay with that, you may baptize the baby. We have a call from Philip in Chicago. Hi, Philip. Hi, Mother. Uh, you're quite correct. The exact formula for baptism is the... Matthew twenty-eight nineteen. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I'm with you always to this day. I got baptized over twenty years ago. At a, I won't mention the name of a non-denominational evangelical. Protestant. I got baptized in a non-denominational evangelical church too, Philip. Oh, really? They didn't huh? use the formula. They just dumped me in a giant jacuzzi and said, "Accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior." No way, no way, no way, no way. When I joined the Catholic Church, I told my priest over at um, 
Stop being annoying, Chad, or I'll send you to Tyler, Texas with the nun. I'm joking. Um, he says it's invalid, so I had to get baptized all over again. That's right. It has to be. There was a case of a priest in Michigan whose ordination was invalid because some deacon, when he was a baby, said, we baptize you in the name That's of the right. Father. That's right. I know. I know that story, too. And you didn't get rebaptized. You got baptized truly for the first time. So... Yeah, it's very important. And what I love about Matthew 28, verse 19 and 20, is that it's the name, singular, of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, the singular name of the three persons of the one holy uh, trinity. So very good, Philip. Thanks for calling in on that. I, I really appreciate it. God bless you, dear one. One last question. Go ahead. Did baptism come from the Jewish ritual of the mikvah? You know, there is baptism. Um, In fact, John the Baptist was baptizing all the Jews, but it's not sacramental. Everything done prior to Christ was done in obedience to the law, but it's not sacramental apart from Christ and his church. Because the old covenant ended when the new covenant took place. Some elements of the Old Covenant were incorporating the New Covenant or in the well, book of Hebrews. But you're very right. And and Matthew 5.17, Jesus said, I didn't come to abolish but to fulfill. The New Covenant, exactly. covenant is the butterfly to the caterpillar. The Old Covenant is a caterpillar. And it blossomed fully uh, according to what was always intended in the New Covenant, which is the butterfly, which is Judaism. I use Roy Showman's words, Judaism fulfilled in its Messiah and spread to the four corners of the earth. Absolutely. Yeah, excuse me, it wasn't a baptism, it's just being dunked in a jacuzzi. No, I know, I know. Well, blessed be God that you were baptized correctly 20 years ago and that you're Catholic, uh, dear one. God bless you, my brother. Um, and I, I thank him for his grace in your life. Thanks so much for your call, Philip. We have Julie on the line from Tennessee. Hi, Julie. Hi, Mother. How are you? I'm wonderful. How are you? Very good. Um, so I have a question about keeping Sunday holy, keeping the good. Sabbath holy. Yes. Um, in the last couple of years, I would say that we move, um, you know, we used to go to stores on Sunday and now we don't. We make Good. every effort not to go to any stores, um, to to shop, to do anything like that. Really Good. keep it a family day. My husband and I have had conversations about, um, you know, we have a 10-year-old son who loves to mow the lawn. And so, Good. you know, on Sunday, would that be... Would that be an issue? Because he, he's working, but he loves to do that, to mow the lawn. And, you know, where do you draw the line in terms of keeping sun, uh, keeping the Sabbath holy? Are you paying him to mow the lawn? No. Good. I don't see any problem with it. If he's earning money on Sunday and he has to, it's another matter. But if he's not doing it to earn money, um, he's just doing it because... He, he loves it. I don't see that's a problem. I personally don't see that. I, I don't know canonically. I don't see that as a problem whatsoever. Um, you're still home with the family, and he loves to do it. I don't see any issue with that, personally. Okay, and does, it, does that go for, like, yard work and work around the house, like laundry, things like that, too? 
Well, um, you see, the idea is to keep something holy is to consecrate it to God, and it's to keep it from the world to God. So if we use Sunday as a work day, cleaning the house, including mowing the lawn and doing all kinds of things and everyone's busy, um, I don't think that's sin, but it's not what God intended. God had the Israelites draw from everything, and, and so they knew that God gave them sufficient time, sufficient resources in six days to take care of everything that was needed so that on Sunday they could really come apart as a family, singing hymns, reading the scriptures, going on a picnic, playing together, not just a day to be home and get all the chores done. So the spirit of it would be to really be a family together. And the children look forward to that time, you know. Um, so that's what I would say. If The fact that your home is a family and everybody's doing all kinds of work, um, I, th- I don't think it's the spirit of keeping the Sabbath, the Sunday holy. Um, I think it's truly coming apart as a family, um, certainly attending Mass, um, and and spending the day reading, maybe building things together, uh, that sort of thing. You could build a house together in the yard, you know, but um, really spending it as a family and, and knowing each other as a family rather than just being an efficient day. That would be my understanding, Julie. God bless all of you, and we'll be with you tomorrow, God willing.